Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. Welcome to the Veterans Path Podcast. Today, my guests are Dr. Eric Wan and fellow retired Navy SEAL Commander Ned Mason. Dr. Eric Wan is a Harvard-trained doctor turned Navy flight surgeon and is now the president and CMO of Wave Neuroscience. Ned is a retired Navy SEAL commander and is now the director of operations at Wave Neuroscience, responsible for the company's commercial operations and revenue generation. His mission is to democratize access to cutting-edge mental wellness technology, the same technology that saved his life four years ago. Eric, Ned, and the team at Wave Neuroscience are some of the world's leading experts in brain health, brain injuries, post-traumatic stress, depression and anxiety, among others. The tech they've pioneered involves using computational analytics to solve problems that have never been tackled before in the mental health space, and they're doing it with no medications of any kind. And now, with all that out of the way, here we go. All right, welcome to the show, guys. Great to have you. Thanks, Thanks for having John. us. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah, so as I kind of ran through in the intro, we've got Dr. Eric Wan and then one of my old friends, a fellow Naval Academy grad and a fellow Navy SEAL, Ned Mason. And I'd uh, love to just talk with you guys. Like I said before I hit record, uh, well, first off, my background is a little different than normal. I'm sitting out in nature, but I'm also sitting about 10 yards from a dumpster, <laughs> which is always fun. <laughs> but, uh, but hopefully the audio comes through, uh, and that's, that's the important piece is your guy's story and what it is you have to say. So, yeah, to, over to you guys. I, I really want to know what, what brought you guys together uh, and then what it is that you guys are doing. I mean, I know that's a very general question. You could probably fill up the rest of the show with just that one question, but I'll turn it over to you guys to start. Yeah, so I'll, I'll actually, um, I'll start that, that story and then Eric can fill in the, uh, the second part. So, uh, but before I do that, hey, John, just want to thank you for everything you're doing for veterans and for the wider community um, when it comes to, comes to awareness of mental health and all the tools available and, and you know, as we've talked about reducing that stigma around it, because this is not a, uh, an issue of judgment. It's not an issue of working harder or I lack grit or somebody who has a mental health issue um, isn't strong enough to overcome it. You know, and, and I really hope today we can, we can continue to work on um, you know, reinforcing your, your message and your mission, which is, you know, hey, it, it's okay. And we're hope, hopefully through this talk today, we're going to, we're going to talk about through our imaging that, that you know, we're familiar with at our company, we're seeing that this isn't just in your head, meaning it's not just your thoughts. It's not, you, right. sometimes you can't get through these, these things on your own. You need a little help. Um, and so I thank you so much for what you're doing. I wish, uh, I wish I would have had this podcast to listen to five years ago. It would have really helped me out. And so, uh, 
So yeah, starting there. So my pleasure, brother. Um, again, my name is Ned. Yeah, of course. My name is Ned. I'm the uh, I'm the director of operations at Wave Neuroscience, and I've been retirement. So prior to that, I was a uh, Navy SEAL for 21 years. As John said, we uh, we both finished the Naval Academy in the uh, late 90s, and uh, went right into the SEAL community. And uh, was fortunate enough to serve at a number of different levels from you know, assistant platoon commander, platoon commander, all the way through commanding officer of a SEAL team. And you know, through that time, um, I had some struggles at about the 15-year point. And some of those struggles included just you know, things like migraine headaches. And um, I felt my cognition slowing down. My memory was challenged. I was finding myself upset at things that you know, wouldn't normally upset me. And what made this hard to kind of put my finger on what, what was going on with me is that I was still functioning. I could still wake up and go and do my job. Um, I, I have a family. I was, I was able to do, I was able to kind of make my way through society and through life, but I knew something wasn't right. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling my best. I, it was frustrating as hell for me because I started to think, you know, is this the way it's going to be forever? And I tried everything, you know, and Eric and I have had a number of conversations about all the great modalities that are out there. And you know, we're, going to, we're going to talk about a modality that we use at our company right now, but we're really all about mental health, similar to the message you're saying is, there's no judgment in, in these different modalities, but I'm, I'm going to talk through the modalities that I tried. They didn't necessarily work for me, but obviously they work for a lot of people. So I started out you know, with the, with the pharma, you know, the different SSRIs and the yep. beta blockers and Me too. yeah, the, the, um, sleeping medicines, whether it was, I mean, you, we can go through the whole list of them, but none of them really registered with me. And so once I moved away from the pharma, then I started to do cognitive behavioral therapy. I started working with counselors. I started, uh, doing the MRIs, the fMRIs, um, Botox in my head. And yeah, I really wish I had that free Botox now. It'd be wonderful. <laughs> but, uh, but the time is to try to work on some migraines. And yeah, I tried the, you know, for me, meditation, I tried um, chiropractic. And, and this is going to be a story very similar to probably a lot of your listeners that have struggled through some mental health issues, which is you try everything. I mean, I tried the different diets. I mean, everybody's done these things that has a serious issue and, and wants to try to take care of it you know, you first try to heal yourself and then you go outside, you know, you kind of increase the concentric circles around that and nothing was working. And I was at the point where I kind of threw up my hand and I said, you know what, this is, this is me for the rest of my life. And that was so depressing. I, you know, I never felt therm issues or anything like that. But at the same time, I understand where people come from when they say I I'm thinking about doing self-harm mm-hmm. because there's just a sense of hopelessness and that's when I don't know if you know John Doolittle yeah Captain sure John Doolittle yeah yeah phenomenal guy he was he was running the POTIF at SOCOM at the time yep. and I was at so uh, Soxent and when he was in that role you know, we were good friends and I, I had the opportunity to go and talk to him one day. I was like, hey, John, I'm really, I'm really struggling with these things. Um, here's kind of what's going on. Here's what I've tried. 
And John was in charge of pulling together all these different technologies that were out there. He's being pitched by all these different companies about how to help SEALs, whether it was through mental health or physical health, a lot of different issues. And he turned, he's like, Ned, I, I know exactly what you need. <laughs> I doubt it, John. I really doubt it. But yeah, I was like, okay, hopefully. And so he, he picked up a phone and called Eric. And Eric at the time had just taken over as CEO of, of this company. And through that process, Eric said, yep, yeah, bring him out. We're, we're going to help him right now. Nice. And so this was near the holidays. So I showed up in early January. After two weeks of treatment, I had my first full night of sleep in a decade. That's wild. And so it, it blew my mind. And, you know, a lot of people were going to dig into what was it? Like, what, what did I actually do? Yeah. I'll wait on that a little bit. But frankly, at the time, I didn't know. And I certainly didn't care. All I cared about is I needed results. Yeah. And so to, you know, I ended up doing a couple extra weeks of treatment after that. And my life turned around. And when I say turned around, I was going to business school at the time. I went from being able to focus on a book for 15 minutes to being able to study and focus for four hours. Wow. I was sleeping fully every single night. Migraines uh, reduced in frequency and um, severity. Every piece of my life started to come together. And then that allowed me to start utilizing some of these other modalities like meditation. Um, that it allowed me to start having the patience to get through that initial hurdle and utilize that as a tool. And so I, I think with that, that, that's how Eric and I met. He was, he was my first doctor at, um, with, with this treatment. And so I ended up being able to go back and I was ready to med board out at the 15 year point. Yeah. I, I was finished. I did this treatment. I threw my hat back in the ring for, for command and, you know, was able to serve another five years and, and had a great time and, and felt great doing it. This treatment was, was pretty life changing for me. Um, awesome. yeah, yeah, and, so what, yeah, please. For, uh, just for the listeners, uh, POTIF is preservation of the force and family. And that's a big SOCOM initiative. Uh, that has physical health, mental health, um, nutrition. It has kind of all the different pillars that get us healthy again. And it sounds like with Captain Doolittle at the time there in, in Tampa, you got connected with Eric through the Preservation of the Force and Family Program. Um, and I definitely want to get into, you know, how Wave Neuro and POTIF work together, but also Wave Neuro and the, the military writ large. Uh, so put that in your brain housing group for, uh, for further discussion down the line. But yeah, so from, from that, you, you've got your first night good sleep. You're getting regular good sleep. You're able to focus. You put your hat at, or you put your name back in the hat for command. You wrap up command and now you're working with Wave Neuro. So you, you obviously believe fully in the product, uh, the, the process, the modality. Um, what did that initially look like, Dr. Juan, for when Ned comes to you, what does that look like? Sure. And, and so for us, um, it's really a multi-step process. And I would take really uh, to walk people through the protocol. It's really three main steps. And the first step is getting a quantitative EEG or an electrophysiologic brain map. And so much in the same way, an electrocardiogram, an EKG, is an electrophysiologic picture of the heart. An EEG, an electroencephalogram, is an electrophysiologic picture of the brain. 
And this gives us a lot of information about how people are experiencing their world or where there may be deficits that could be tuned up or improved just a little bit. And so the second step is to take that brain image and run it through neurocomputational analytics. And this is really sort of the breakthrough. In 2000, 2008, 2009, these EEGs became digitized and it allowed scientists, engineers, and doctors to do very sophisticated discriminant analyses to look at how our brain's functioning uh, and how might, how might we strive to improve that function. And to give you a brief overview of what we're looking at, um, everyone lives in a certain frequency band, uh, what we call the alpha frequency during their wakeful hours. And it's usually somewhere between eight and 13 hertz, which means you encode information eight to 13 times per second. And so in a hypothetical scenario where let's say you're an 11.8 hertz brain and I'm a 9.5 hertz brain and Ned's a 10.6 hertz brain, it doesn't matter. It's just kind of where we're born. When we image it, we may see this dominant wavelength where you're encoding information at a certain cycle rate, but there may be in a cluster of neurons that is cycling, let's just say it's six hertz. And because that cluster of neurons is misfiring, uh, if it's in the prefrontal cortex, um, this is the area of uh, emotional stability, focus, attention, and concentration. That individual may feel a bit depressed and lethargic and lack motivation, not wanting to get out of bed. And in a different scenario, if it's the uh, right backhand side of the brain, the occipital parietal lobe, where your visual cortex resides, if it's cycling too fast, let's say at 30 hertz, there's now this information overload. You're overscanning your environment, you're hypervigilant, and you're probably experiencing some anxiety. And if the rest of your brain can only process 11.5 cycles per second and you're getting an input at 30, right. um, there is this information overload experience. And so, uh, number one, it informs our, our doctors of what's happening with their patient. But importantly, I think it also informs the patient, you know, what's happening. And there is, I think, an aha moment for a lot of our patients and also our doctors that um, this isn't an issue of willpower or suck it up or determination. You can't like brute force your way out of that many times. If the disparity is too large between where you're used to being and where you currently reside, um, it, we can now talk to the patient about number one, how we might strive to improve that, whether it's through sleep or nutrition or exercise or neurofeedback or meditation. Uh, and in other cases, we may choose to stimulate those areas of the brain. And that's the third technology, something we call repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation. But we're doing it a little bit differently than most of the market in the sense that we're personalizing it to each individual. So most of the RTMS devices out there are stimulating at one single frequency at 10 Hertz and in one location, left dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. We felt like this didn't honor the biodiversity of ourselves as human beings. We all have sort of different nuances and, and quirks and we found that little customization piece made actually quite a bit of difference in terms of uh, the improvement people experience and the number of people who would respond. And so that's our whole sort of process um, in terms of treating the individual. Um, but foundationally, something that Ned had talked about and something we talked about offline is really doing our best to protect people's sleep is sort of foundational. Uh, and then once the hardware starts to work better. Once you know the brain starts to uh, be able to process information more efficiently, um, giving those individuals all the other modalities uh, to make their lives whole again, 
because usually by the time people come to us, there's a bit of a trail of uh, struggles, whether it's family counseling, marriage counseling, financial counseling. Um, we try to do all those other things uh, to set them up for success down the road. Um, but I'll stop there. I know it's a lot to take in at first. No, that's that's perfect, uh, and it's fascinating to me. I'm I'm a math guy, and numbers and and like just science behind it just blows blows me away. I love it. So I'm really curious, what causes those misfires? Is it is it physical um, trauma to the brain, like TBI, or can it be something that you're exposed to as far as maybe you've seen or done? traumatic experiences that way, or is it just different depending on the person? It, yeah. it, it's really all the above. Okay. Um, and so it's been interesting uh, for us to observe, certainly traumatic brain injury is, is kind of the headliner. And anytime, we're getting smarter about this too. Even as recently as 15 years ago, it wasn't well known that the blast wave from an explosion can cause a traumatic brain injury or concussion. Uh, but I've heard from many of the operators I've had the privilege of meeting, uh, like Ned and your, yourself, there's sort of this rite of passage where when you're breaching doors, um, the minimum safe distance, many times you'll inch closer. And I've heard these stories where people have blood shoot out their nose before they enter. The, and that's actually the definition of a, a moderate concussion. You're sort of exceeding uh, your physiologic capacity. And if you do that 10 to 20 times a day, yeah, I mean, it's not um, – it's not a surprise. Yeah. And so we frequently go into this just knowing, you know, the frontal lobe, these prefrontal cortexes are going to be slow wave because of just the training that many of these people go through. So mechanical injury is definitely a common cause uh, for disruption in the brain images. Um, emotional trauma can certainly be another cause. Uh, people who are not in kinetic environments like the military, uh, losing a family member to cancer, or just you know that emotional devastation uh, of a life trauma, you know, losing a kid in a car accident. Any of these things right. uh, can certainly cause disruption in brain imaging. Uh, substance abuse, very common cause. Um, but there is, we've learned since we're all sort of uh, veterans, we've realized that there is sort of this perfect storm that's emerged, you know, in these latest conflicts of you take an operator uh, that's in the U.S. sort of finely tuned and you take them 18 time zones away operating at night because you've got your NOGs and tactical advantage. Sure. They're trying to sleep during the day, but they're probably active. Um, and then you're giving them really a fight or flight environment. Literally, you know, you're kind of going into combat, pulling the trigger yeah. um, and then trying to wind down from that. It's not easy. And then you take that whole ecosystem and environment and bring them back home. And now you've got a wife and children to take care of who really need a nurturing kind of loving husband and father again. And it's, it's very difficult. This, and, and so you very likely sustained multiple head injuries uh, from your time away. Your circadian rhythm is profoundly disrupted. Um, and just snapping back in, I don't know that we as a community, and I'm talking about the military community, do a good enough job of trying to transition people back into the home environment. And I think we're getting better at that, but um, uh, you know, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. I mean, I remember our uh, third location decompression stops that we would do. And, you know, the first part of that TLD is, is uh, the 
checkup from the neck up and they, they interview you. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is be sitting there talking with anybody. You're like, I want to get home to my family. I want to get on with my life. I'm good. I'm good. I'm perfectly fine with everything that I was exposed to that I did. I got plenty of sleep during that deployment, however long it was. I'm 100% healthy and ready to go. Um, and that's, the, that's the, again, you know, that stigma uh, because one, we, we don't want to deal with it. And then two, we're afraid that if we admit that we have something going wrong, then we're going to be pulled out and be med boarded or um, maybe stigmatized by our brothers, um, the, you know, the fellow warriors that we're with. I mean, there's so many pieces to this that need to be fixed. Um, but it sounds like you, you, you know, you address the science and this, you know, this, once you can address the science behind it, sometimes that's what it takes for a team guy to, to kind of start believing, especially if you tell us, hey, this is going to give you an edge and it's going to give you better sleep. Maybe you don't tell us about the, 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 uh, the misfiring neurons or whatever, but if you tell us, hey, this is going to give you better sleep so that you're a better operator, then a lot of the time the team guys are going to jump at that, that opportunity. But that's the stigma going back is we need to break that stigma. Um, so how are you guys going about broaching this topic with operators within the SOCOM world or, or outside within the military in, in general? Yeah. Do you want to start with this study? Yeah, sure. <coughs> and, and so the reason we had um, connected with John Doolittle, you know, so he was uh, the director of POTIF. And when I first came in, you know, I recognized that uh, even though we know this is a fairly groundbreaking technology, we need to wrap around it very robust academically rigorous science. And they agreed with that. And so both uh, Captain Doolittle and uh, there was a Dr. Captain Coda uh, at that time with the SOCOM command surgeon, we had all agreed we're going to do um, a pretty sophisticated study. And uh, we, we were very fortunate. So uh, SOCOM had allowed us to launch this clinical trial um, to uh, confirm you know, what we're seeing uh, at the clinic level. And so uh, we're blinded to the results, um, but we're encouraged by what we're seeing. Um, and so that is, that's kind of well underway. We've done uh, other pilots. Uh, we just completed uh, an initial pilot with uh, a nonprofit organization called the Special Operation Care Fund. And um, there's another group called the Tomahawk Charitable Foundation. They very generously supported us to uh, do some work um, treating operators. Um, and so the first step, of course, is uh, gathering data so we can be quantitative and thoughtful uh, about what we're observing um, and measure just about every dimension uh, that uh, is out there. But one of the interesting components that uh, was born out of this effort was many uh, of these elite operators coming back and telling us about the changes they were seeing within themselves, um, whether it's improved marksmanship scores or, you know, improved sleep. Um, and so one of the uh, uh, generals at SOCOM had kind of pulled me aside and asked, uh, you know, first love what you're doing for the guys, but what could we possibly do to prehabilitate them before they become really in crisis to help them uh, to become, you know, better operators. And it was a great question. And the answer at that time was, we don't really know. Uh, but since then, uh, we've, we've been tracking a lot of different um, uh, neurocognitive assessments and, and batteries, everything from reaction time to something called a Stroop test, where we can measure by the millisecond how people are reacting to certain stimuli, 
to memory, to executive function. And uh, it's surprised even me, you know, the types of changes we've been observing. Um, and so that's the part that's pretty encouraging. Uh, we're about to enter the publication stage. And so um, we'll be able to share with you a, a lot more of that data in the coming months. Um, but I think that that is a pivot away from being overly medical because whether or not there's a stigma around, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking as clearly as I used to, I'm not feeling as well as I used to, just about everyone is open to the idea of performing better. And we right. talk about trying to be 1% better every day. And in many of these cases, we're seeing changes in executive function, you know, beyond 20% in wow. two to three weeks. And so uh, if we go to an operator and we can eliminate the label, you know, whether it's concussion or TBI or depression, you know, what, cause this is a medical convention. It's not really something that is, I think, true to what we're necessarily observing um, in terms of just, you know, there may be a neuron dysfunctioning. The neuron doesn't care what you call it, whether what I call it as a doctor, it's just not feeling right. And so to be able to tune up those areas and optimize them and then have people feel better, that's really what keeps us uh, very inspired and motivated. Um, and so you'd ask the question, how are we approaching the operators? Uh, this is the big part of that discussion now is, uh, you know, and being aligned in this concept of um, the stigma, you know, we can eliminate the judgments and just show somebody here's what we're observing in your electrophysiologic brain image. This group of neurons is what's undermining you. And if we just work to improve that, you might, you might notice some changes that would be, that would be positive. How many operators have you used this on, this, uh, this modality? We've now, I think, uh, we've now eclipsed over 600 veterans. Um, I don't know an exact number of, of soft, uh, soft guys, but um, I'd estimate probably about half. And what, is it, what does it physically look like? The, like? Is this something that you wear on your head? Is it uh, something that you're listening to? Some, I know I've used things that snap onto my earlobes. I mean, I've used just about everything too, but what does it, what does it physically look like? Yeah, so, so when you come into a, a clinic, which you know, we, we send our technology or, or doctors subscribe to our technology and they utilize it and treat patients with it. So okay. that, that's kind of step one, like we're, we're a technology company. Um, but the doctors that utilize our technology they set up their clinic and, and you walk in and you get an EEG first, which is, you know, Eric kind of went over the, what that does. Yep. And that can take a number of different forms. Traditionally, it's this, it's this kind of like swim cap that comes over your head with a number of different leads. And you sit quietly with your eyes closed for about 10 minutes. And that's, that's kind of step one. Now, over the last couple of years, the EEG has really progressed. And so now we, we utilize one that is called the Zito and that it's, wireless Bluetooth. Um, there's no goop in your hair. Not that I have any, um, but it's much nicer experience you know, for, for most people involved. And then um, in an actual daily treatment. So what, what does this look like? Basically you sit, you sit back in a comfortable chair and there's a sitting next to you that kind of looks like a Pentium computer. And it has a, a coil that is delivering a magnetic pulse to your head. And you're sitting now at the neurotechnically looking, they're, they're getting direction from our team at, at our company, which is basically giving the doctor parameters on, on 
a way that that doctor can treat a patient. And that includes your specific frequency that Eric talked about, your, the amplitude of the treatment and the location of the treatment. So then that neurotechnician is going to take this um, treatment coil and place it on your head appropriately where you five second burst of, of um, pulses, which are just feel like, all right. All right, so, uh, so a neurotechnician places a coil on your head um, where the doctor is directing them to and at what frequency. And it's about a five second treatment with about a 55 second pause and you do that for, on average, about 30 cycles. So you're in the office for about 30 minutes, and it feels kind of like somebody tapping on your forehead gently. And that's about it. And during that period, of you close your eyes for that five seconds of treatment. Now, what we found is it's really important. I'm sure you've seen this with a number of your different modalities that are people who are experts in their different modalities. Bringing the family along for this process, we found, is a very important uh, component to it because people are changing during, this, during their two to four weeks of treatment. They're, they're becoming, you know, yes, they're, you have some memory changes that Eric talked about, and, but you're also becoming, um, you have more patience. You might become more emotional. You, you know, people will cry for the first time in years because they just feel more connected to themselves and their memories and their thoughts and, and they're able to start to process a lot of things that maybe they hadn't processed before. Having the family around you is a key, key part of that. Because sometimes the, the person coming out of the, this two to four weeks uh, treatment is, is doing a lot better, but there's some ruts maybe with, that everybody around them expects them to be in. And they're expecting a certain person to come back. And sometimes the family doesn't know how to deal with this, with this new person. And so having the family involved in that and letting them know that this person coming back is actually who you remember maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. And we, we've had spouses come in crying, saying, you gave me my husband back. Because these, these, some of these spouses, they hadn't seen this person in 10 years you know, since they started service. And so it's a, it's a phenomenal thing. But I guess I just want to re- reemphasize that integration of family. And, and yeah. the people closest to you, when they understand and when they're in on this and they realize that this is no different than fighting any other you know, problem with your body, it, it, takes, it takes a community. And it's, a, it's really a really amazing experience to watch families move through this process yeah. and, and what happens to them. Well, I mean, I could tell just in our conversation here, Ned, uh, that it's made a tremendous difference in, in you. you. You seem... You seem happy. Uh, and and uh, yeah. I mean, yes, it's been a long time since we've seen one another, but uh, you, you seem like you're doing well. So it's, it's definitely done wonders for you from what I can tell. Um, and then back to, back to Eric, how did, how did you originally get into this space? I mean, I know you were Harvard grad, Harvard uh, medical school grad, then you were in the Navy. And how did you get from the Navy into this? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. So, so I was a, a Navy flight surgeon. I was attached to our Marine Corps unit okay. um, way back when in the late uh, 90s, early 2000s. And uh, 
I, I deployed as the 11th Marine Expeditionary Unit. We're supporting some uh, special operations capabilities uh, in the Persian Gulf. And we had the misfortune of uh, having some of the first casualties of that conflict. And so uh, after I got out to finish up my medical training, um, I kept in very close touch with my friends just because, um, you know, that bond, it, it never really leaves you. It's weird how it gets interwoven into your, your DNA. Um, but throughout sort of those struggles where a lot of my buddies were having post-traumatic stress and concussions, I was connecting them with the best resources I could find. And uh, after I finished up uh, a lot of my medical training, I ended up at uh, the Boeing company. And uh, most people know we build airplanes and satellites, but we have uh, emergency rooms at all the heavy manufacturing sites. And through uh, just years of working at the organization, I took on a different role as a chief technology officer for medical services. And then I came across this technology and I was initially just intensely skeptical because I had heard about so many other things that just weren't as effective as, as promised. And um, I ended up, as, as fate would have it, uh, one of my crew chiefs um, uh, did try to take his own life. And uh, there was a lot of guilt on my part because he was a close friend of mine. How could I let this happen? Um, but we sent him in. And uh, you know, when, when Ned shares the story about spouses coming in, uh, in tears saying, you gave us our husband back. You know, this was sort of my first introduction to technology. It, it was really a moving experience because in traditional medicine, we're used to very small incremental changes, whether it's taking somebody's blood pressure 10 points or um, you know, their, their cholesterol levels improve. And this was somebody who, um, you know, from a cognitive perspective, went from not being able to read a book to now wanting to go back and get his degree and, uh, you know, was re-engaging with his children before he would just hide in his room. Now he's coaching his kids' football team. And so to see this awakening was really moving for me. And so I started spending more time. You know, I was still scientifically skeptical, but I couldn't deny the results. And, um, and so I spent two years doing diligence and then realized that uh, this was potentially an inflection point in medicine that we can now objectively uh, look at somebody's cognitive function and point with the finger. This is the area that's troubling you. Nice. Uh, and not only that, to be able to work through neuromodulation to treat those areas and to improve people's function um, was really quite groundbreaking. And so I jumped on around 2015 and uh, one of the first people I met was Ned. And uh, kind of knew right away um, that I wanted him to be on our team. And uh, he, at that time, uh, was committed to more service uh, to Navy Special Warfare. And, um, of course, we wanted him to pursue all of those things. But uh, after he retired, uh, myself and uh, our CEO, Fred, both uh, were recruiting him and uh, feel very blessed that he is, he is part of the team. Um, but it is one of those the same guy here? <laughs> hey, come on. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and, and so to this point of um, reducing or limiting the stigma of asking for help, um, what I've come to realize is, uh, you know, these conventional labels that medicine um, has sort of, sort of categorized people as uh, DSM-5 criteria that you fall into 
MDD, major depressive disorder, or generalized anxiety disorder. Um, Thomas Insel, the former director of the National Institute of Mental Health, way back in 2013, had declared that this categorization was needed to be remodeled and was not the right way to approach things. We now had technology where we can move beyond that stage. And whether it's you know our version of using functional studies is the EEG. There are many other types of studies. There's spec scans. There's uh, something called there's MEG studies. There are functional MRIs. And our feeling, and there is more of a movement toward this, is called research domain criteria for categorizing um, really brain health. Uh, so just kind of eliminating this distinction of mental illness. Um, you know, many times you can just image somebody's brain and identify areas that are not functioning well. And when we do that, um, I think that there's a recognition that, um, you know, there, number one, there's hope, you know, that we can strive to improve the areas of dysfunction and move them to a more optimal state. Uh, and then number two, it, it gives people a more biological basis for understanding what's going on. Um, it, it's a bit too abstract, I think, to say you're just depressed. You know, that suggests that um, it's an issue, an internal issue of fortitude. And, and, and so that, I think, is one of the more important discussions for us to have, is uh, just understanding that uh, we're now moving towards, and, and these research domain criteria, it's not just the functional imaging, it's also looking at genetic profile. And then these are the things that you've talked about on your other podcast, whether it's nutrition science, you know, uh, physiology, you know, there's a lot more research being done in terms of how uh, activity and high intensity interval training, these types of exercise can improve cognitive function and neurological function, improve neuroplasticity. Right. And so when we look at the whole 360 degree picture uh, of people's cognitive well-being and emotional health, I think there starts to emerge a different paradigm of how we might be helping um, everyone to achieve their best selves and to achieve happiness and success, however they define those things. Nice. Now you've got, uh, you mentioned this being a subscription, the doctors, you kind of get this into the doctor's office. They have a subscription to your company. Is there uh, an initiative to get this into the VA offices? Yeah, yeah so we, we had a bill um, that passed about two years ago for a pilot with the VA uh, to use uh, the technology. Uh, COVID has put a temporary pause on that. But, uh, but yeah, we are striving to work with uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs to um, start to become a, a bit more integrated and incorporated. Nice. And then we're also doing additional studies. Um, we're, we're using a portable version of neuromodulation and doing some tests to see if this is something that could be deployed just to make this more easily accessible. Right now, one of the challenges is um, getting up every day and going to a clinic to get the treatment. If you could do that from the comfort of your home, particularly right. in this COVID-19 era, era uh, it may be game-changing. And so we're still... Uh, in the best case scenario, probably six months to a year away from being able to go into production. Um, but in terms of, you know, our goal and our mission is to reach as many people as possible. Um, this is an important uh, stepping yeah. stone for us to achieve that kind of goal. For sure. In, in the here and now, if somebody was wanting to access this, is there a list of doctors across the country mm -hmm. that have this technology? Yeah, there, there is. And it's at the, uh, 
braintreatmentcenter.com. And then there's a location list under there, under that uh, website that provides all the locations across the country and a few internationals um, where people can get this treatment from a, from a local doctor. Okay. And, and as far as uh, those who are authorized to get the treatment, if that's even the right term, is it strictly military right now or are civilians, do they have access to it as well? Yeah, so right now it's, it's kind of open to the public. Okay. And, you know, they're, at, at these locations, they're, they're treating a number of different uh, things based on what that doc, how that doctor wants to utilize the technology. Okay. So as Eric said, we, we don't tell a doctor how to treat a patient with this tool. You know, they're, they're, the, they're the experts and, and we'll use it to treat, you know, the things that make sense for them and that they feel comfortable treating. Okay. And so it's open to, you know, obviously military veterans. There's even, there are even some uh, insurance companies now that are covering this for major depressive disorder. Okay. And the, um, was it TriWest? Uh, tri it's in transition right now. Yeah. So, so there's TRICARE, which I think everyone's familiar with. And they're actually approving not just MDD, but they're starting to accept certain cases of PTSD and TBI. Um, and then the VA went from TriWest to Optum, and I think they're, they're changing again. So the VA choice uh, form of uh, reimbursement is um, uh, starting to get approved, and I think that's still in work, but it's coming um, in short order. Great. Well, this has been awesome, and it's uh, been enlightening. I want to go find a, a clinic here that has it so I can try it out for myself. Uh, well, Absolutely. Uh, as, as far as, uh, you know, anything else that you want our listeners to hear coming to the top of the hour here, um, is there anything that you want to make sure that they hear that we haven't talked about already? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, we, we've brought up a few times, but I think, you know, what I really want people to walk away, away with it from this podcast with is that, you know, none of these modalities, including ours, is a panacea. None of them. I mean, we're all very unique and and you know, we need different things. Right. But I would stress that, you know, people don't give up hope and that, you know, they, there is something that's going to work for them out there, whether it's what we're doing or some of the other modalities, something's going to work. And, you know, I just keep pushing, keep looking, keep searching, don't give up on it. Yeah, yeah I would, I would echo that. And I, I was just having a conversation over the weekend with a relative who was talking about the hopelessness in this, kind of pandemic era where they feel like they can't go outside and they're trapped and um, they're going through some of their own emotional struggles. And the only thing I can say from a neuroscience perspective, and I completely empathize and understand uh, the emotion, the feelings of the moment, but from a neuroscience perspective, there's never been a time to be more hopeful. Like we're learning so much about uh, brain health and, and wellness. Um, and so I do hope people are instilled with a, a feeling of hope, uh, and it doesn't have to be our technology. There are many other, uh, emerging modalities and technologies, um, that are just around the corner. And so, uh, I would say, you know, keep your ear to the ground, be open-minded. Uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, new and exciting things coming. Uh, and that's all, I think the curtain is being pulled back. Um, with a lot of new uh, innovative technologies. Great, and then, great message. John, I just want, I just want to add, you know, usually we try to try to talk about a few things that people can do today to yeah. start to impact what their life. 
And you know, one of our mantras here is you know, utilizing neuroscience is that actually a good night's sleep starts in the morning. You're like, what, what are you talking about, Ned? It, it does, and here's why. You know, we, we strongly encourage all of uh, the patients that, that our doctors treat to make sure that you're getting outside in the morning. It sounds simple, but you know, blue light has gotten such a, a uh, bad reputation right now in, in society. And it, actually it's that blue light that's, in the mor- that's out in the morning um, yeah. that is such a powerful, um, starts a mechanism uh, that's natural within all of us to, uh, to provide a better night's sleep. And you know, Eric can quickly talk about some of the science behind it, but the takeaway is get outside for 30 to 45 minutes in the morning before 11 o'clock a.m., not behind sunglasses, not behind a glass wall, not behind a car window. You've got to be outside in fresh air. And we're talking magnitudes of difference between a light inside, which is about 7,000 lumens, compared to 70,000 lumens outside, even on a cloudy day. And so you've got to get outside, and that's going to trigger a whole mechanism within our hormonal system with the pineal gland and, and the secretion of melatonin uh, later in the evening. Nice. That said, blue light is important. And so, you know, we all, and our devices are getting much better about toning down the blue light in the evening for us right. on our behalf. But still, you know, all of us, Eric's family, my family, we're, we're very careful with blue light in the evening, again, because we're trying to protect our sleep. And, you know, part of this is some people are going to get a lot of value from this. They're going to go, okay, let's do it. And they're going to sleep better. And maybe they're going to look at some supplements, whether it's magnesium citrate or melatonin or all the other, other things are out there to, to supplement as well. Um, but for those that can't get there, that's when the, you know, the additional modalities are needed. But that's one of the things we stress so, so hard is get outside in the morning, start the cycle, right? Nice. Any- no, I mean, you did a great job encapsulating it. That was, uh, you know, so blue light is our first cue to establish our circadian rhythm. And so, you know, getting blue light in the morning to kickstart it and then minimizing blue light exposure at night so you can start to wind down and then going to sleep uh, at right. a reasonable hour um, are, are really sort of fundamental to uh, getting a restful night of sleep. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've experienced that myself. I am um, a firm believer in getting the vitamin D and, and, really setting yourself up for success for, for both a good day at work or a good day of whatever it is you're doing, and then setting yourself up for that, that good sleep at night, because that's the foundation upon which so much is also built. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for your message of hope there, Eric, because uh, it, it is definitely a message we need in this day and age with, with uh, COVID and, uh, you know, everything that we've always believed would be normal being flipped upside down uh, this year. So thank you for that, that great message of hope. Uh, and I hope that this message, along with everything else that you've shared with us today, hits home with our listeners. I know, listeners, I know that it will. Uh, so thank you for coming on today and, and sharing what you guys do. Um, that said, how can people find out more about you two as individuals or, or about your guys' organization and, and what it is you offer? Yeah, so I'll start off with the organization. It's at uh, waveneuro.com is our, uh, is our main site. And then as far as personally, I still have some of that military left in me and I'm not active on social media yet, <laughs> and, uh, but Eric, Eric has a, um, an, some active social media. Great. Yeah, I'm just starting to, you know, <laughs> I was kind of one of those who was trying to avoid uh, too much social media presence, but uh, um, now that we're starting to do these podcasts, um, I did create a, a Twitter account and a Facebook account 
Um, I think it's just E-R-I-K underscore W-O-N uh, at Wave Neuro. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter and, and Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, people can look me up there, but uh, um, yeah, really, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, my pleasure. You guys have been a lot of fun and, uh, and enlightening. So again, thank you guys. And until next time or until we speak again, stay safe and stay healthy. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives.